had the snowstorm, huh? Uh, beautiful white stuff that came down. Um, man, I just want to tell the worship team, nice job. Man, when you, when you get into that flow at the end, feel free just to, I mean, I'm with Kevin. I mean, I'm here for the worship. I'm not here to hear me preach. I mean, I hear myself, I mean, I hear myself talk all the time. So, uh, and I apologize, my throat's been bugging me this week. Uh, but man, worship team, when you feel that, just run with it. Amen? Anybody opposed to that? I mean, uh, I mean, when they stopped, I'm like, just keep going, amen? Um, so I want to just encourage them, just, just allow the Spirit to move. Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, we're a Spirit-filled church. Is it okay if we just allow the Spirit to move, not put God in a, in a little tiny box that we feel comfortable with, and just allow Him to do what He wants to do to us? Because, let's be honest, the most effective day for the gospel and to feel God's presence is always Sunday. Why? Because the week gets busy, and I know you spend time in the Word, and I know you spend time in prayer and things like that, but, man, life happens. Does life happen to anyone in here other than me, right? And so you get busy, but Sunday is this designated time when we come together as a family, and we just spend time in worship. So, worship team, when you feel that, just go with it. Don't feel like, man, i got to get done at this time, uh, because... We're, we're on God's time. Is that okay to say? All right. So uh, I do want to send greetings for, from Pastor and Angie. Uh, we did drive to, we had a quick week this week. Of course, snow day on Wednesday, as everybody probably else had. And then Thursday after work, we left Derek's house about 8 o'clock in the evening and, and drove to Omaha with a, with a quick stop in Sterling just to spend the night. And then we had dinner Friday night. We honored the executive director of our region, uh, he is, uh, he's stepped down from that position. He's been doing it for about eight years, and that's the position that Pastor Derek uh, has stepped into. So we had dinner. We honored him. Our national president actually came out to Omaha uh, and, and was at, there at that dinner, and then we had some regional meetings the next day. So Pastor Derek is actually in Kearney, Nebraska today. Does anyone know where Kearney is? Wow, you guys get around. I mean, if you guys know where Kearney, Nebraska is, you guys get around more than I do, right? Uh, so he's preaching there, a great, great open Bible church, uh, Pastor Lombard, uh, Jonathan Lombard, that's his church. Uh, and so he's pastoring, uh, he's, he's ministering there, and then they'll leave uh, tomorrow morning and drive back to, to Colorado. But I want to tell you, it was amazing meeting some of the people in that region in these little, tiny, small towns. And when I say small towns... I mean, like, anybody heard of Vermilion? I mean, if you have, you, got around, you get around way too much. Uh, and it, one, one family was from, was from Huron. I mean, the, we're talking small towns. So the first thing I asked them was, do you guys have Walmart? Because I don't know how life happens without a Walmart. And they're like, we have a Walmart. I'm like, okay, good. I can visit that town at least. So, uh, but Pastor Derek and Angie send their, send their greetings this morning. Keep them in your prayers as they're driving. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Derek and I were talking about our connection cards and our prayer request cards. And he said, listen, I, I want the congregation to fill, out, to fill these out with, with prayer requests and things that are going on in their life. Why? Because as he's traveling in airports, I don't know if you know about Derek, but he goes to bed about 9.30 in the evening. Uh, and, but he gets up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And so that's when he does a lot of his businesses stuff. He reads emails and stuff like that. So if you've got prayer requests, please fill one of these out. Get them turned in because then he can spend quality time praying for those things that are going on. And I'm going to pray for someone that I learned about this morning. We're going to pray for, for, uh, for him as a congregation. But please, uh, please fill one of these out. Get it turned into myself or at the kiosk at the back uh, so that Pastor Derek has those. And he can be praying with you and for you. Amen. That's what our pastors are here for. But um, the Hill family told me about a friend of theirs. His name is Joe, uh, and he's come to this church a couple times, and he has a, a fungal infection, right, in his lungs. Uh, and so he's been in the hospital since Christmas, or about. That's when he kind of got it. Uh, and so he's been going through this. They finally got his medication kind of set up correctly. And so, uh, but even after that, he's going to have to go to rehab for a couple weeks at least. So I just wanted to pray for him as a body this morning. Is that, is that okay? I mean, that's what we're here for. 
right? That's, that's what we do at church. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, as a congregation, we lift up Joe to you right now. We just touch him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. We just begin to line up his body with your word to function correctly the way that you created it. Father God, you are our creator, and therefore you are also our healer. And we just speak goodness and grace into that situation. And Father God, I know that the, the doctors have been struggling to find out what exactly medication-wise. So we just ask for wisdom for the doctors. Father God, we thank you for all of their book knowledge and for all of their schooling. But Father God, we want your knowledge to be set into this situation. Father God, your word declares that healing is the children's bread, and we thank you for that right now. And Father God, as, as, the, as our prayer team always says, you know, we want the hidden to be revealed so that the doctors know exactly what to do at exactly the right time, Father God, to bring him healing, and then he can have a, an amend, uh, a tremendous testimony to tell about the things that God was doing in him and through him. And Father God, we just thank you for that. We give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are going back to basics again. And we're going to talk a little bit about our big idea, which is we exist for others. Now, in society today where everyone is out to get theirs, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some people that spoke into our life. In society today, it's all about getting ours, right? I mean, my grandpa used to say that all the time, and, and as much as I loved him and he spoke great things into my life, he'd always say, boy, if you don't go get it, no one's going to hand it to you. And I think sometimes we forget that as believers, we exist for others. We exist for others. You see, uh, Pastor Whipple said this last year when he came, and Pastor Derek has said it many, many times, is once we've got it, it's not about us, and yet... It's still about us, amen? It's about us because we get to be the hands and the feet and the mouth of Christ. Taking that peace and that joy and that love and that compassion to a world that needs to hear all those things because they don't get to hear that, amen? And so we are, we are created to exist for others. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Einstein? Einstein once said, that a life work worthwhile is only a life lived for others. And so once, once we find out about Christ and, and the love and the compassion that he has for us, it's our job to exist for others, to take that to them. Why? Because in society, society is not create, has not been created, right? It's not living right now in a, in a way that loves on people, and cares for people. I mean, can I move this? I'm not OCD, but I can see it from where I stand. Uh, society, man, you say the wrong thing, you're canceled. You say the wrong thing, you're out. You get scrubbed. We, of all people, should be bringing something amazing into people's lives. And so we exist for others. That's our big idea today. And I want you to remember that as I go through the sermon. And I'm not going to be super long today, and everyone said amen. Um, right? But I want you to be aware of we do exist for others. That's why we're here. That's why Christ came and died for us. He existed for others. He said that I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I think that should be our t-shirt. That should be on our hat. I'm not here to, for you to serve me. I'm here to serve others. And I think when that happens, not just individually, but corporately, lives are changed. Amen? Communities are changed. I, those pastors, I love talking to them. Like, the one gentleman, I'm like, well, how many people are in your town? He's like, oh, I don't know. We've got like 93 I'm like, wow, 93, that doesn't seem like a lot. But let me tell you, when there's 93 people, everyone knows everyone, right? So when you do something amazing, everyone hears about it. And I'm be praying for those pastors, for those leaders of those churches. Um, a couple of those pastors that are in those small towns actually came out of uh, 
Bill Jimenez's church there in Omaha. And they've, uh, they've moved, you know, God laid it on their heart to move to these little towns and either continue a work that's been going on for a while or start a new church. And I think that that's amazing that they would follow the call. Amen? Why? Because they understand that we exist for others. So here's a couple stories I want to tell you about someone, a couple people that changed my life. Of course, I've mentioned my grandfather, you know, many times. <clears throat> I grew up, we grew up about four blocks from him. So if he left the house, I was in his truck. We were going to fix, get it tires fixed. Or In Southern California, we used to have a thing called Angel's Hardware. Anybody ever heard of Angel's Hardware? Angel's Hardware, I mean, I spent time with him there. Uh, if he was going somewhere, it didn't matter where he was going, he stopped and picked me up. And then when my brother was a couple years older, he would join us. That was not fun. I just want to let you know. Uh, I mean, I love my brother, but, you know, there's only so much you can do. And so he really spoke into all of our lives about being a man, about what it's like to lead your family, take care of your family, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, all those things that he spoke into our lives. So, so that's somebody that really... Once, once he had grand, grandchildren, and when you have grandchildren, you'll understand this. Something, a, a, a switch is just flipped in your life where you're like, wow, it's really not about me anymore. I mean, there were times when things were about me. Christmas was about me. And then you have kids and grandkids, and then you realize it's not about you anymore, right? And all the people that, all the parents can say amen, right? You understand, you know where I'm coming from. So he, he poured so much into our lives uh, and when he passed, it, it, was, it really hurt me uh, deeply when he passed uh, at a young age. And then uh, another gentleman that really, really laid down his life, uh, I was working at Schlage Lock down in, down in security close to where we live. Uh, I was working 40, 60 hours a week. Kelly and I had been married for a couple years. We're not happy with each other. And, you know, you can hear the whole story in our mini-series or whatever we put the book that we write about it. Uh, we call it um, Friday night at the fights. So I was working 40 to 60 hours a week so I didn't have to go home. Plus I was going to school, taking three or four classes at UCCS. Well, it came time that, and, and anyone that's gone to college, you know, you got to take 101 so you can take 203, so you can take 303, so you can take four, five, six, et cetera, et cetera. So I was at the point to where I needed to take a night class so that I could take the next class. And I was working 2.30 to about 11.30, uh, 11, something like that, and I went to the, to the manager of the department, I said, hey, there's this class that I need to take, but it's at night, and I'm currently on night shift, so can you work it out to where I switch from night shift to day shift? Everyone know where I'm coming from on this? And so I'm sitting down with him in his office, and he says, well, if you can get someone to switch with you, then that'll work out. And I went from Back in the day, I could go zero to ballistic pretty quick, right, without even using the stick shift. Uh, and, man, I went off. I mean, I went off. I should have gotten fired. It's only by the grace of God that I did not get fired that day. And left his office knowing no one's going to switch with me. No one wants to work second shift, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I came up with every great excuse why he should let me go down. And because and, I knew it would affect my college career because I couldn't take that class and they didn't offer that class until the next year back in the mornings again. So I, I went ballistic. Well, as, you know, God works in mysterious ways, uh, this gentleman showed up on second shift just out of nowhere. No one, no one knew him. I guess he was a new hire. And he used to carry his Bible everywhere. He was the weirdest guy I had ever met. <laughs> Carried his Bible, used to bring it to lunch. Uh, he would... We, people knew not to talk to me because I was not a happy camper at the time. And so he would, I would sit on one side of this round table, kind of like the round tables that we have here. He would sit on the other side of the round table, and then he would talk to me, and I would not, I would not acknowledge him because I was busy eating my ramen, ramen noodles because for about a year and a half, we lived on ramen noodles. And if you were married and you had a young kid, everyone can shake your head, yes, you've lived on ramen noodles, right? Which is why I don't eat ramen noodles now. They're not allowed in my house. If I see them in the aisle, I have to walk past them really fast. So this, this guy is brand new on second shift. And just out of the blue, I mean, he's sitting there and he's talking to me. And he's like, 
so where do you go to church? And I ignore him for like weeks. <laughs> weeks, I do not talk to this guy. And uh, finally, one day, it was like a Thursday or Friday night, he's like, so where do you go to church? I'm like, listen, I know all about church. I grew up in church. I know all about it. It's this and it's that. And I'm giving him my top 10 reasons why you don't need to go to church and, you know, the whole thing. And he goes, oh, really? So you know all this stuff. So then you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Boom. That was it. Because I grew up in church, I knew when he said that, I had nothing to say back to him. Nothing. So that Sunday, uh, so I came home that night. I was just, I was just, wow, I couldn't believe it. It was about 1230 at night. Kelly was going to school. And uh, I said, uh, I said, hey, I want to go to church on Sunday. Wake her up. Uh, Hey, I want to go to church on Sunday. And she's like, okay, whatever. Right? So we go to church. And uh, went to church in 91 and went to that church for 13 years until it merged with this church. Uh, And let me tell you about this gentleman. He knew that he existed for others because he stepped out of his comfort zone to speak to a guy who didn't want to be spoken to. And the next thing you know, we're going to church. We're hanging out. We're going to dinner. I'm at his house on Saturday mornings for breakfast, first thing in the morning. Uh, and he's teaching me about the Bible, and he's, you know, he's got these books, pamphlets to read, and all this other stuff. Uh, and he understood about pouring into someone's life. Why? Because we have to exist for others. In fact, I would not be here right now if it was not for him. So here's what I want to say to you. Because we do exist for others, who's that person at your school, at your job? At the grocery store, we talk to James. I've told you about, and we like to talk to James when we're there. Uh, who's that person that God is like, I need you to talk to them? Because if, if that gentleman, his name was Boyd, Boyd Port, um, if he hadn't talked to me, I wouldn't be here right now. Now, is God big enough that he could have worked it out? Yes, but sometimes that situation only happens once. You know where I'm coming from? So I want to just want to say that we exist for others. Here's what the Message Bible says in James chapter 1. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight. We see it every day in our city. And I've lived here long enough to, to see a lot of changes in our city. But it says to reach out to those that are homeless, that are loveless, that need us in their plight. Here's why. Because one day I had a plight, and someone reached out to me. And it changed my family tree, changed Kelly's life, changed my kid's life, going to change my grandkid's life, because someone realized that we exist for others. Amen? So when you see those situations, I beg of you, get involved, wherever it is. One little thing, there's this story about a man on a beach, maybe you've heard it, and he's flinging starfish back into the ocean, and they're like, man, there's millions of these. It's going to take you forever to do it. How, How can you change anything? And he goes, well, it was important for that one. It was important for that one. Become someone's important, amen? I want to give you three fundamental truths around this big idea that we exist for others. The first is, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing to those around us. Here's what Genesis chapter 12 says. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. You see, the parable about the man who has an amazing harvest tears down his old barns builds new barns fills them up and says man now I'm just going to relax and I'm going to kick back 
because I've worked hard and I, I deserve it. And what does the Lord say? Anybody remember? You fool. Today. Today. You're going to have to pay an account. So I'm not saying not to have a savings account, not to take care of your family, not to pay your bills. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you are blessed, it is to be a blessing to those around us. To those that we see in, in a plight. It's kind of a, a weird word, isn't it? P-L-I-G-H-T, a plight. They're in the middle of something that sometimes they can't get out of on their own. And I know different families have done different things for people, not just in our church, but in the community. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for getting involved when no one else would get involved. Thank you for not just passing by and saying, I'll be blessed. God take care of you. And then go on your own merry way. Thank you for getting involved. You see, God wants to bless us, but he wants us to be a blessing to others. Amen? That's why he blesses us. It's not to build bigger barns. It's to be a blessing to those around us. Now again, I have a savings account. I like having a savings account. It's kind of nice, right? At the same time, it's not just to spoil it on myself. Why? Because it's not about me anymore, amen? Number two, when we bless others, God will most certainly take care of our needs as well. Here's what Luke chapter 18 says. I guarantee this, anyone who gives up anything for the kingdom of God will certainly receive many times in this life and will receive eternal life in the next world to come. There's something about being involved in people's lives, seeing them changed, and we're going to talk about that here in a bit. Seeing lives changed for the kingdom. The joy that you see in their eyes, the way their family and home life changes. I want to tell you, once, once I started hanging out at church, I, I used to get, you know, you get your annual review, and I used to get okay reviews. You know, I C plus, B minus. I mean, that's C's get degrees, right? So, I mean, I, I mean, I was, it's okay. And after that, let me tell you something. Every time I sat down with that boss who I chewed out, and he was kind of scared of me after that because I, I really did go ballistic. The first, the first year, he sat down, he goes, man, I just want to tell you. When I was filling this out, I wasn't really sure what I was writing was really what I was supposed to be writing. Because you always were kind of like, you know, at, at the bottom. Dude, now you're, now you're my number one person. And the next year, he said, man, you're my number one person. And the next year, he's like, and dude, you're my number one person. And the next year, he said, man, you're my number one person. I, be, I went from being his kind of middle-of-the-road employee, because I understood what the gospel said, to being his best employee every year. Every year. That's what the gospel does. Because Boyd Port spoke into my life. Because he understood that he existed for others. And I want to tell you, when you do that in your walk, in your job, at your home, in your community, on your block, at your school, wherever it is, lives will be changed. And you'll be blessed as well. Here's what Luke chapter 6 says. Give your life away and you'll find your life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. When you give it away, like, man, I can't give it away. I, I just can't give it away. I, I got to hold it tight. I got to hold it tight. I, gotta, I just got to grip it. I got to grip it. I got to grip it. And let me tell you something. This isn't just about finances. This is about the things that we talk about. Time, talents, and treasures. Anybody else in here? Man, time is valuable. Time is valuable. So when you give away your time to someone, God will work that out to where 
you just have, man, I, just, I, I don't know how God worked it out. I just have more time. That's what God wants you to pour into people. Your time, your talents, and your treasures. And you will be blessed when you do that. When you're a blessing to others, I don't know how God does it, but he opens up the windows of heaven and he will bless you with more time, with more talents, and with more treasures. Here's number three. The more we're blessed by God, the more he expects us to help others. Wait a second, God. What you're telling me is you want me to bless others. You're going to multiply it back to me, but then you want me to give it back again. Affirmative. That's what he wants you to do. It's this amazing symbiotic relationship. God blesses us. We bless others. God blesses us. We bless others. Too much is given, much is required. God continues to bless. We see that in the Old and the New Testament. God continued to bless people, and then they would bless others. And then God's like, I'm going to pour it out again, because I know I can trust you with it. I can trust you with time, talent, and treasures. So I'm going to pour more in your bucket, and then you're going to be a blessing to others. Oh, good job. I'm going to pour more in your bucket, but I expect you to be a blessing to others. It's just, it's this thing that God does, Right? Why? Because we are the hands and the feet. We are the mouthpiece for God. We're the one, who else is going to do it but us? That's why he needs you involved in the process. Here's what Luke chapter 12, verse 48 says. Much is required from those to whom much is given, for their responsibility is greater. If you've been given much, There is a bigger requirement on your life to be a blessing to those around you. Uh, There was a friend of mine. uh, We worked together at USAA for a little while. She moved back to her her home country in Guam. And we were talking about church, uh, church, stuff like that. And she goes, you know what my church does? On Saturdays, we go out and we buy, we just go go to McDonald's, the greatest burger place in the world, and ask Kelly. And we buy just bags and bags of burgers. And we just pass them. We go to the park and we just pass them out to homeless people or sit, people in bad situations. I'm like, dude, that is pretty amazing. How long have you been doing that? I don't know. They've been doing it for like 10 years. And God just keeps blessing us with the finances to be more involved in the community and more involved in the community and more involved in the community. That's what he wants us to do. Because the more you're blessed by God, the more he expects out of you. Why? Because we exist for others. Amen? So what kind of application? What does this all mean? I mean, it sounds really good, but but what does it mean? Well, here's what Colossians says. It says, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect to Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy. You see, today you may be saying, I don't know if I can do this. It's just not within me. Right, it's not. But notice it says, with his energy. Dunamis power. That energy that God pours into you to give you the ability to do things that you never knew that you could do. Like, God, I don't think I can do that. You can Oh, God, I couldn't do this. You can. Man, I don't have time for this. You do. I don't know if I have the finances. You will. But you've got to move in his power. It says, which so powerfully works in me. Make that your prayer. God, I want to do amazing things for you, but I need your power to work in me. Because within me, I can't do it. Within you, you can't do it. But within him, we can all do it. Amen? Because it's his power. It's not ours. His power is like the Energizer Bunny, man. It it never shuts off. It's always going. 
Get plugged into that. Get plugged into his power, and you'll be surprised at things that you can do. So here's number one. You got to reach out. You got to reach them. You know, when it says to go, you know what that meant? To go. It didn't mean to stay. It meant to go. What does that go mean for you? I don't know. Get with God and find out. Spend time in your prayer closet and find out where you're supposed to reach them. But you know that you'll know that you know when you get him involved in the process. Luke says, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Romans says, God's kindness leads us toward repentance. It's God's goodness and kindness that leads us to repentance. And the only way that that happens is when we reach out. The only way that I knew about God's goodness and kindness is when someone reached out to me. The only way you found out, because no one was born into this, when when they took you home from the hospital, no one stamped on there, believer, because your parents were, your grandparents were, great-grandparents were, great-great-grandparents were, nobody got that. So someone reached out to you. Agreed? Someone reached out to you. I don't know who it was. But God, thank God they did. Thank God that they realized, man, I don't exist for myself anymore. I have to exist for others. So who reached out to you? Maybe it was your parents, maybe a friend at work, maybe somebody at school. I mean, you, you hear, when I get to hear some of your stories, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That God was working everything at the right timing Because timing is everything, right? God's working it out in his timing just at the right time for someone to speak into your life. Part what's going on today and just boom, right in your life. So you've got to reach out. You've got to reach out to them. Do you know why? Because you can reach out to people that I can't reach out to. Your oikos, Pastor Derek talks about that quite often, that oikos, that sphere of influence that you have is different than my sphere of influence, which is different than your sphere of influence and your sphere of influence and your sphere of influence. A good friend of mine, uh, their grandmother passed away last week, and, and uh, we've been friends for, I, I don't even know, for 30 or 30, 30 plus years, almost 40 years, I think. And so, of course, went to the, went to the funeral, uh, which was on Wednesday. Oh, man, that was fun. Uh, the way snow was. And it was, a, it was at a Catholic church, uh, which was okay, you know. You minister where people are, right? Uh, and so I was up and down, and I got my whole workout in, uh, the whole thing. And, uh, and, and after the service, a couple of the families, they, they know that, I, I work, that I'm a pastor and I work at a church. And they're like, what do you think about that sermon? Was it hard to sit through? I'm like, you know, once, once I got past all the rigmarole, right? That's a big word, rigmarole. Look that up in the dictionary. Once I got past all the rigmarole, there was about five to eight minutes where the gospel was preached. And let me tell you something. It was as powerful of a message of the gospel as I had ever heard. And those people in that, in that, uh, at the funeral, man, they got to hear the gospel. Forget all the rigmarole, right? Man, the gospel was preached at that point. Why? Because that pastor of that church knew that he had to reach out to them. Where these people are in their grief, I can't fix it, and you can't fix it. But let me tell you something. The gospel can fix it. The compassion of Christ can fix it. The love of Christ can fix it. The caring of God can fix it. That's what fixes things. I mean, we can do flowers and we can say we're sorry and my, con- my deepest condolences and do cards and hug necks and stuff like that. But let me tell you something. It's the gospel that changes things, amen? And so I wanted to talk, you know, being 
being not Catholic, you know, they, they don't hang out with, with us very often. Uh, the, and I wanna, really wanted to talk to the pastor, but he was kind of out and doing his own thing because they had other things going on that day. And I want to tell him, I want to tell you something, pastor. This is what I want to tell him. I want to tell you something. That five minutes that you spent on the gospel was amazing. You should do more of that because that's what changes people's lives. He understood that he had to reach out to them where they were. They needed to know there is a hope. There is a hope. You may be in despair right now, but there is a hope. And that's what you've got to reach out to people with, is hope. Because as I said, the world is not filled with hope. The world is ready at any moment to cancel you. You see, I think people are more fearful today than they've ever been because they're afraid to just say that one wrong word. That one wrong word. Uh, I remember, it's been a couple years ago, they were going to, this kid was going to get drafted out of college and they went back through his Facebook. And I mean, they went back. He was like 15. And this is no offense to my youth because you know I love you. But when you're 15, you don't say wise things. Anybody, can everybody agree with that? When I was 15, I did not say wise things. Amen. Amen. So, uh, and if you were 15 once, you know what I mean. So, they went back in his Facebook. They're flipping back and they see something stupid that he said. And it was stupid. I mean, my grandson says I'm not allowed to say stupid, but it was stupid. Okay? And they tried to crucify him. He shouldn't even be drafted. He shouldn't be allowed to play football. He shouldn't do this. He shouldn't do this. Because something he said all those years back. We're talking like he was 22 because he graduated from college. So we're talking like seven years ago. Right? They're looking at any point to cancel people. We need to uncancel them and tell them Christ doesn't cancel people. Amen? Christ builds you up. Christ wants to love on you. Remember when Christ says, listen, I, I want to be like a mother hen that, that, that just gathers her chicks. That's what he talked about, Jerusalem. I, I want to take those children and just wrap my arms around them. That's what people need right now. They need the love of Christ proclaimed in their life. Because cancel culture will, is looking to, to cancel them, and, and we don't cancel people, amen? We might say, hey, <laughs> that was not a wise thing to do. I would probably delete that like as fast as you can, right? It's okay to do that. It's okay to give kids, when kids say something, okay, I'm not sure if that's the wisest thing to say in this situation. It's okay to do that. But we don't go, okay, you said that, you're out. Does that make sense? So we've got to reach out to them. That's the first thing we've got to do. Number two, we've got to encourage. Be an encouragement to people. People need encouragement. You know, the greatest thing that my grandfather did was encourage us. Now, I played sports my whole life, and sometimes in sports, you strike out, right? I was not the greatest hitter in the world. I was a pitcher. It's just the way life is, okay? And I struck out, and I come back to the dugout, and I'm all mad. He goes, don't worry. Get them when you get out on the field, boy, and then take care of it. Don't take it out on the field with you. Forget about it. Make it happen out there. Encourage people. People need to be encouraged. Maybe some of you need to be encouraged. Find some friends, go to lunch, love on each other, care for each other, pray for each other. Encourage them. Because I can assure you, out there, they are getting discouragement. Amen? So it's our job to encourage them, to build them up, to realize I exist for others, so what does that sound like? What, what are the words that should be coming out of my mouth to help change people's lives for the better? What words should I be saying? What words should I not be saying? Amen? I like to, uh, I like to joke around a bunch, have fun, and so there's certain things like I'll, I'll call uh, Liam, my grandson, I'll, you know, I'll use certain words, I'm like, eh, don't. Don't do that. Don't say that. Encourage him. And again, we're just playing and having fun. But you've got to be careful what comes out of your mouth. Married couples, be careful what comes out of your mouth. Because sometimes 
what comes out of your mouth, you cannot put it back. Pastor Derek said this a while ago. Once you let that genie out of the bottle, man, that, that baby ain't going back in. Amen? So be careful what you say. Be an encouragement to others. Be caring. Showing long-suffering and kindness. Encourage those around you. Parents, encourage your kids. Kids, encourage your parents. I think it's the toughest time ever to raise kids. So have grace on your have grace on your parents. And parents, have grace on your kids. Friends, have grace for each other. Why? Because we're going to say things that we shouldn't say. It happens. Encourage them. Hey, listen, be careful when you, how you use that tone. Be careful how you said that. I love you, but let's, let's make sure that we, we cover each other. Is that okay? So encourage them. Love on them. Here's the number three. Teach them. Spend time teaching others. I, I tell you what, the greatest thing that Boyd did was spend hours and hours on a Saturday morning with me, teaching me about the Word. I mean, I grew up in church, but it's, there's difference between growing up in church, amen, as a kid, as you, you know what I mean, and then learning it. Having someone sit down and do a systematic study with us, and Pastor Derek's been talking about that a bunch lately. Having a systematic study, okay, we're going to learn this. And then he's like, okay, now we're going to learn this. Okay, this, today we're going to learn this. People need to be taught. I've got a good friend. Uh, he passed away a couple years ago. His name was uh, Richard Gardner. Him and I used to play golf together. Uh, we had been friends for, gosh, I don't even know, longer than I think Kelly and I had been married. And uh, he lived by a golf course, so I'd pick him up, and then we'd go golfing. And we'd go to high school football games together and basketball games and stuff like that. We were just, just buds. We just did stuff together. And uh, I had been trying to get him to come to church for decades. And if my kids were doing something, like a play, I'm like, hey, Des and Andrea are singing a song. Do you think you want to come? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll come for that. Uh, and so we're sitting down. We're eating lunch after golfing because whoever lost, which was usually him, <laughs> uh, had, to pay, had to buy lunch. Uh, hey, sorry, you know, I mean, if you want to play, if, I'm, I'm here to win, right? I'm, I'm not, I don't play to, play to lose. So, uh, so we're eating lunch, uh, and I'm like, Richard, man, I really want you to come to church with me. I want you to spend time with my family at church and the things that we like to do. Because, you know, we're, we're church people. It's what we like to do. And he says, well, I believe both Bibles. I'm like, did anybody just get a weird thought in their head, like, what the heck did he just say? I'm like, Richard, bro, what do you mean you believe both Bibles? You know the one in the front and the one in the back. I'm like, do you mean the Old Testament and the New Testament? Yeah, you know the two Bibles. Um, so, you know, that was our lunch conversation. So even if people have been around church, those people that haven't, yeah, spend some time teaching them. Impart wisdom that God has imparted into you, into their lives. And sometimes it is Bible knowledge, but sometimes it's just life knowledge. You know, in the New Testament, Paul writes about you know, the, the older women spent time with the younger women. What were they? They were training them to do what? To raise their children and and to do different things within the home and the family. And it's okay for some of our older ladies, more mature, I don't want to use old, uh, our, our more mature ladies to spend time with our younger ladies. How do you think they're going to learn? By watching Friends on TV? Right? By watching, I, don't, I hope I step on someone's toes because I go through. By watching Office or The Community or Parks and Rec or friends. I mean, you ain't going to learn nothing watching those shows. And so we need some of those relationships where some of our more mature members and elders in the church are discipling those around us, teaching them not just the things of God, but the things of life. You know what I mean? Here's what Colossians says. Let the message about Christ in all its richness 
fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now, notice the first part of that. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Here's why. Because you can only give out of the overflow. If you're on empty, you've got nothing to give. So you've got to make sure that you're filled up so that out of your overflow, you're ministering to those around us. Anybody ever heard of the Dead Sea? It's, it's brand new. Maybe you've never heard of it. The Dead Sea. You know the difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee? The Dead Sea water comes in and it never leaves. It never leaves. It doesn't have an outlet. It's got water in. It doesn't leave. So that's why it's so salty and you know, not many things can live there. That's what happens to our lives sometimes. God pours into us and then we just hold on to it. It becomes nasty and stale and gross. Right? As Pastor Derek says, you, you, you start turning internal and you start checking other people's belly, belly button lit, which does not sound like a fun activity. I just want to let you know. Don't be like the Dead Sea. As God is pouring into you, pour that out into other people's lives. But you've got to get full so that you can pour into other people's lives. Number four, help them reach their full potential. I want to tell you something, man. My grandfather, World War II vet, there was, losing was not an option. You better give it everything you have because that's the only way that you can reach your full potential. And that's what we got to help those around us with. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. In advance. He had a plan for your life in advance for us to do. I beg of you today, walk in that plan that God has for your life. But the only way to find out what that plan is for your life is to spend time with Him. People around you need to hear your voice. They need to hear you speak into their lives so that they can reach their full potential. Anybody go to school and your teacher goes, man, you just, you have so much potential. You're just not living up to your potential. Anyone ever get told that? And that they, I think they wrote that on my grade report every year. Doesn't work up to his full potential. Doesn't live up to his full potential. Help someone reach their full potential with words of affirmation and encouragement. Words that are filled with love and compassion. Why? Because we exist for others now. That's our job, is to exist for others. Why don't you stand this morning? See, I was early. I'm three minutes early, so I did not lie. I'm excited for next week. Pastor Derek's going to bring part four of Back to Basics to us. You know, these are just basic things that we should be doing as believers loving on others, caring for others, pouring ourselves into other people's lives, being a blessing to others. Why? So that God will continue to bless us. I want to pray this morning, Heavenly Father, this morning. Thank you for pouring out your, your passion and your love into our lives. Will you give us the energy that we need? to fulfill the things that you've called for us to do in advance. You've already planned for us to do them. Will you give us the strength and the ability to do those? The strength and the ability to care for those around us when we don't have anything to give out. Will you continue to pour into us, to bless us, to care for us, 
to love on us so that we can love on those around us who need to hear about your, your compassion and your love, that it's the goodness of God that draws us into repentance. Thank you for those that have spoken into my life that cared for me, for Pastor Marty spending all those years with me, for Pastor Derek spending time with with me and my family, teaching us and training us to do the things that God wants me to do. We show each and every one of us those people in our oikos, the, the, that situation, those, those places where we can speak into people's lives who are hurting, who need compassion, who need to be cared for and loved on, who've been beaten down by life, who can't seem to get a break wherever they turn, bad things happen. We may not be able to fix, we may not be able to fix everything, but you can, Father. So let us bring you into the situation, whether it's finances or healing or family situations or or jobs. Let us bring you into the situation. I don't want to bring me into the situation, Father. I want to bring you into the situation. Because you alone bring hope where there is no hope. You alone bring love where there is no love. You alone bring compassion where there is no compassion. You bring grace and mercy and truth where those things are lacking. Give us your strength. power of of your strength working through us so that we can do the things that you would desire us to do. In Jesus' precious name, when everyone said, amen. Have a great, great rest of your week. Youth, we'll see you this evening.